Welcome, my name is, as you probably gathered, Ian Fenton. I'm one of the ministers here, and it's my privilege to finish up this summer series. It's called the Summer Series because half of our folks are basically not here and they have to catch it on the website. Even as we speak, the, uh, the deck chair sellers and ice cream sellers of Cornwall and North Wales are in mourning as they uh, contemplate our congregation leaving. But uh, they'll get a catch-up on the website. You guys get the real thing in the flesh right here, right now. Now, if you ask anyone in our congregation for whom, or for who, actually for whom, English, is not their first language, it is a hard and a confusing language to learn. One of the difficulties is words which sound the same, but are spelt differently and mean something different. So, do we mean no or no? Do we mean night or night? Do we mean raise or raise? I can see the differences here because they're written in front of me, but you might be struggling for those without context. And so, I just want to be clear here that the word yoke that we just heard and that's not a word you often hear on a day-to-day basis in Rotherham. We're not talking about this, okay? That is a yolk. Uh, it's a part of an egg. Tastes nice. Dip your shoulders, shoulders in it, all that sort of stuff. But it won't help you move a cart or plough a field, okay? You might need this kind of yolk. Rob might have to move it on for us there. Just move it on for us there, Robert. This kind of yolk. The yolk is the thing there, the wooden piece in between the two oxen. It goes together, goes over the shoulders of the animals, and it helps them to pull things together. Okay? Good. Enough with the linguistics. Well, today we are in our final message of, the, uh, of our summer series, as I was saying. I love that verse. Now, what does it mean? Well, we've been exploring some of the verses from the Bible that are most often searched for on the internet, we love them, we, we've searched for them on the internet, but have we understood them? Have we understood everything that they have to offer? And today we're looking, as we said there in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Let me just read that verse to you again on its own. This is what people are looking for. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And what we're going to think about today uh, is we're going to think about uh, what we're looking for in that verse, and what Jesus' followers look for, that's what they heard when they were there at the time in that verse, and what is Jesus offering, what we look for in this verse, what Jesus' followers look for in it, and what is Jesus offering. And I hope that we, as we briefly look through this passage, what we'll get a sense of is that Jesus can remove our biggest burden and help us bear the others. Jesus can remove our biggest burden and help us bear the others. Those headings are for you there in the the back of the programme, so you can use them to take programme notes if you wish to. So let's dive in. First of all, what are we looking for in this verse? The uh, It's often searched for. We know that. That's what the series is all about. What are people looking for? Well, I think it would be quite logical to realize that uh, for many people they are searching for it because they are carrying some kind of burden 
at that point. They are carrying, they are undertaking some kind of heavy labor. Perhaps they're struggling with a workload at home. Perhaps they're struggling with workload at work. They're looking for some kind of comfort in that situation. Maybe they are carrying a very heavy emotional burden. Perhaps they are feeling a sense of guilt. Perhaps a sense of guilt for something that happened a long time ago. Perhaps they're struggling with anxiety, well, with the weight of illness, uh, perhaps rapid change, loneliness, the breakdown of some relationships. Perhaps there's too much work. Perhaps there's not enough work and they are burdened with concerns of unemployment. Perhaps they're struggling with disability. Perhaps they are struggling with something which is technically very hard that they find beyond their ability to cope. People might be looking at the verse because they want to offer comfort to somebody else in one of those situations. And so they're looking on the internet to, to give that quote to someone else, as Luke said, to sew it into a pillow for them or something, or to stick it on their fridge, to encourage them. There are many motivations, I think, for looking up this verse, and they are all good. They are all good. I hope that people do gain from it a sense of encouragement, that they do indeed seek Jesus, that they do come to Jesus. And that in doing that, they find a measure of rest, of that burden being lifted. I think this verse certainly can encourage us with the sense that God knows our burdens. He knows what we're carrying. He knows the labor that we do. People can feel the compassion of God for their burdens. A sense that he wants us to experience having that lifted through our knowledge and trust in Jesus. Do you get a sense of that when you, when you read that verse, when you hear that verse? I hope you do. It's very true and it's very encouraging. And I, I hope it is a blessing to the folks who, who look it up. And I think to hear it that way and to take, away, for, take it away in that way is fine and a good thing. But I want to suggest to you there's a lot more in that verse. And this has been true of a couple of the verses we've looked at over the summer. I want to say to you there is a lot more in that verse. I think that uh, we talked a bit about what we look for in the verse, but I, I want to talk just briefly about what Jesus' followers were getting here. Now, for a Jewish listener, they would have been thinking about something very particular. They would have been familiar with uh, seeing ox walking through the field with yokes. They would have seen that uh, in their farms. But they would have understood that that was a word picture from Jesus. It was a word picture about the burden of being a properly religious Jew in first century Israel. Uh, the prophet Moses had set out uh, the uh, what's, what's called the law, a set of uh, commands and rules from God in, in the first part of what we now call the Old Testament. And the Jews were supposed to follow that. They were supposed to comply with that as good Jews, as good people of Israel. And yet, consistently, as we read the Bible, we see them failing to meet that standard again, again, and again. And when we read the Old Testament, we come to the understanding that's because it is perfection. It is holiness. 
And because none of them were perfect and holy, sooner or later, even the very best of them, even the, even the heroes of the Old Testament, like King David and King Solomon, uh, they all fall short sooner or later of that standard. So that's a big burden, right? I mean, that is a heavy burden. But then what happens is that that was added to. The religious leaders of the time, they were called Pharisees, added a whole set of more rules to those rules. Some of them were interpreting the rules that Moses had already written down. Some were uh, whole fresh new ones that they had uh, created that they thought were wise and sensible. So bearing in mind, as I've just said, that no one was really able to sort of comply with the law as it was, when you add a whole another set of rules on top of it, guess what? They certainly couldn't comply with it at all. So what, was, what chance did they have of meeting them? And yet they're feeling guilty because they're not meeting them. They're feeling, oh no, I'm not good enough for God. And perhaps the Jewish leaders are sort of like, yeah, well, you know, we put these rules on you because they're good rules, you know, and you're not obeying them. So, you know, we're like better than you, you know. Hear what I say. This was a ridiculously heavy burden. And that's what Jesus' picture of a yoke was about. He talked about it later on in Matthew. You don't have to turn there, just scribble it down. You can look at it later. In Matthew chapter 23, verse 1, Jesus says this. This is Jesus talking. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, The teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. So you must be careful to do everything they tell you. But do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. So here, verse 4, they tie up heavy, cumbersome loads, then put them on other people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. That's the burden that many of Jesus' listeners at that time would have been thinking of, that burden of a religious system requiring compliance just pushing them down. A system that's designed to somehow make, make us acceptable to God when the, the rules set out perfection, which we cannot meet. So how can we be acceptable to God? And so we never meet them. We always fall short. And we end up justifying our behaviour. I'm good enough. Well, I've done some good deeds. You know, I'm not actually an evil person. I've earned some God points. But it is not the mark. It does not make the mark. And so Jesus wants to free his listeners. Jesus wants to free us from that burden. Not by offering religion. Not by offering a whole set of rules. Christianity is not a religion in that sense. Christianity is relationship. Christianity is about more than religion. And the relationship he offers is with himself. That's why he says, come to me. He doesn't say, do this, follow these rules, follow those rules. He says, come to me. And that's what he wanted his listeners then to hear. That's what he wants, in part, us to hear. But it's actually even more than that. There's actually even more going on than that. And that slide will move on in a moment. Let's give it a push, will you, Rob? 
That's all perfectly true, what we've said there, those two things. It is true that uh, this is a source of vital encouragement. It is very true, uh, and it's part of a Christian's experience, that Jesus wants people to come to him to experience relief from the burden of a crushing religious system. But there's even more on offer in this verse. I think that Jesus was primarily thinking about an even greater burden that we carry. That's the burden of our rebellion against God. The the burden of turning our back on God. The burden of us wanting to be our own God and not follow him. The Bible calls that sin. Yes, it's talking about outward disobedience, the things that we do wrong. It's also talking about our, our hearts, our broken hearts. Luz was talking about at the start of the service. It's our sin-filled hearts that are the problem. So Jesus says, come to me, and I will take the burden of your sin and guilt. We said in that last section, nobody can perfectly follow the law, then or now, because we're human, because we're not perfect. And we feel that weight, we feel that burden. I, I want to be a better father, a better student, a better mother, a better employee, a better neighbor. What else can I, I do? You know, I, I try my best. Jesus says, come to me. And yes, we're all carrying heavy burdens. Each one of you, I'm sure, would have thought of some burden when you first heard that verse that Joan read out. Come to me. And when she said the word burden, you probably all thought of something. And that's important. I'm not trying to play that down. That is significant in your life. But the burden of sin is much greater, whether you're aware of it or not. The strength of sin pressing down in your life is much, much greater. But we don't always recognize it. If you look there back at uh, verse 20, Jesus denounces a number of villages where he had performed miracles. He'd done, he'd done everything he could to, to try to persuade them to come to him. And they hadn't. Maybe they weren't aware of it. Maybe they were too proud. I don't know. But Jesus, for them, same as for us, wants to take that burden, that sin, that guilt. That's why he died. Jesus came specifically to save people from that burden. And the only way that was possible, the only way he could do that, would be to die on the cross. We sang about that in Man of Sorrows. But more than that, he rose from the dead three days later. And that proves he can take that burden. This proves he can carry it and deal with it. For those who will, unlike those villages in Galilee, come to him. And that's an incredible thing. That is a, that is a staggering truth. That is, that is beyond conception that... The, the price of our guilt would be the death of the Son of God and that he will willingly pay it and yet he does and yet there is even more. There's even more in offer, on offer in this verse. Notice he doesn't say, come to me and I will take away every burden. You can put your feet up and just take it easy. Okay? And some people might be looking for that in that verse. It doesn't say that. When we carry so much weight, when we feel that, that word burden is, is such an expressive one, isn't it? 
when we feel that burden, we can understand why someone would say, I just want it gone, I want nothing, I want freedom. Jesus does not offer that. Let's think about farming for a minute. The, and just move the, there we go. So, let's go back to our slide of the, this is a yoke, as I was saying. In the West, most farmers nowadays use tractors. We've been staying on a farm this weekend, myself and Denise, and the guy's driving up and down in his tractor and all that good stuff. But for most of the world, for many centuries, this was power, this was transport. This is two oxen, and they are yoked together with the piece of wood. Uh, an ox, plural oxen, basically, basically it's a big cow. Don't look at me like that, Helen Walker. It's a big cow. Uh, now, now uh, I don't know all these technical phrases for animals. Um, now, notice a couple of things. It allows the farmer to direct them where he wants them to go. It also allows them to lift or pull the burden together, allowing them to share the burden and to get the job done. So once we come to Jesus, once he has forgiven our sins, that is once we are, we put a trust in him and become a Christian, what does he expect afterwards? What happens after we have come to him? That he will do everything and make our life super easy? No. How are we going to learn and to grow and to experience life if we never have to move a burden, if we have a, never have to lift anything? Or is Jesus expecting us to do everything? Is he going to be in heaven and we're going to be wafting him and, and feeding grapes and we've got to do all the work? No, that's a, that's a tyrant. Jesus is not a tyrant, no. Jesus says, let's do life together. When you have come to me, let's do life together. Let me walk on one side of the yoke, you are on the other side. And we can do this together. Yes, there's work to be done, there's burdens to be moved, but we're going to do it together. What kind of God would offer that, right? What kind of God would would offer to do that? Some God who's aloof and impersonal and off in heaven? No, that is not Jesus. He's compassionate and he's warm. Yes, he has. Sure, he has outstanding authority and staggering power. He also comes as a servant. Later on in, in, in Matthew, Jesus says, I did not come to be served, but to serve. To give my life as a ransom for many. That's why he says, look at in verse 29, that's why he says, I am gentle and lowly in heart. That is why Jesus can remove our biggest burden. That is why he can help us to bear the others. Because he is lowly and humble in heart, a servant. Now, let's keep looking at the picture. Uh, notice how there are two yoked together, as we've said. And this is how they would have done it at the time. And what happens is you put a more experienced, an older, a stronger ox with a newer and a less experienced and a younger ox. The more experienced one would guide the less experienced one, knowing its master better, knowing what ploughing was more about. But also they would carry the majority of the burden. They're stronger than the other one. 
Sometimes as Christians, we believe that, that once we've come to Jesus, it's just one plod along until we get to heaven. No, this work has to be done, but it's going to be done in his strength. We sang a, a, the strength to follow your commands could never come from me. The strength comes from Jesus, and so that allows rest for us. That allows real rest for us. That's why these two verses go together. Remember, never read one verse on its own. You've always got to read the verses around it. Jesus is not saying, I will give you a burden, a yoke to make you a slave. He is saying, I will be your more experienced partner in the yoke as we labor together and follow the will of God the Father. Instead of staying far away in heaven, he's come in glory and being served by followers. He comes to earth He shares the burden, shares the yoke with us. That's why he's gentle and humble in spirit. Just cast your minds back to what Jesus was saying in chapter 23 about the Pharisees. How he said that they were not prepared to even lift a finger to to help people lift the burdens that they had put onto others. Compare that to what Jesus is saying here. Jesus is not like that. So the old ox is usually a lot stronger and he will take the majority of the weight of the load. Now it might not feel like that to the other ox. The other ox, all right, is pretty young and he's like, you know, I mean, there's a lot of of weight to be moved potentially, there's a lot of work to be done, but it is lighter. That is why Jesus is saying his yoke is easy, his burden is light. It doesn't feel like it, but try pulling all that weight on your own. Now, the Apostle Paul wrote in another part of the Bible that, about Jesus. He said that Jesus, who in being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. This is the Jesus we're talking about. He says, take my yoke on you. He also says, learn from me. Notice there. A yoke not only allows the more experienced ox to carry more of the load, but it also helps to teach the younger ox. They get that experience of whatever it is, moving the cart, plowing the field whatever it may be. That, that word there in, in Matthew is very similar to the same word for becoming my disciple. The idea of learn from me is becoming a disciple, following Jesus, exploring more of what Jesus can tell us about God the Father. Uh, in the book of Proverbs, this is, this is a well-known verse, and this had new meaning for me when I was thinking about a yoke. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. It's a bit of a thing there with the, with the yoke. But Jesus can fulfill that role because, as we just look back there to verse 27, he can fulfill that role as well because he knows the Father perfectly. When he says, come to me, he's not just saying, come to some random teacher. He's saying, come to me because I know the Father perfectly why does he know the father perfectly because jesus the holy spirit and the father have been together for all eternity 
for most of eternity, it's just been the three of them, and they have been perfectly united in one being. They have been, uh, they know each other better than we know ourselves, far, far better than we know ourselves. And so Jesus is saying, yes, come to me, because he's the one who can tell us about God the Father. In fact, he says there, he's been given that role. Uh, you know, he, he has actually been given th- that position. Uh, verse 27, all things have been committed to me by my Father. No one, who know, no one knows the Son except the Father. No one knows the Father except the Son. And those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. So part of the reason for coming to Jesus is because he can tell us about God. He can tell us about him perfectly. Yeah, how can we... How can we reconcile this idea of, of take my yoke upon you and I will give you rest? That, that seems to be, that doesn't seem to match up. Well, Jesus, I don't think Jesus is saying that you will find complete rest from all the burdens that have perhaps called, caused you to look at that verse on the internet. What he is saying is that you will have rest for your soul. You will have rest, deep down rest, because of his work on the cross. Jesus, as we were saying, does not say, I'll take away all the burdens. That, that is idleness. That is chaos. There is no direction. We can wander wherever we would want to go. That isn't freedom, that's chaos. Can you imagine being on a farm where the cows are free to wander wherever they, you go? You know, you're sitting in the farmhouse and the cow walks in through the front door, goes out through the back door. You know, there has to be structure. There has to be, there is work to be done. You may, you may have been around when uh, Ian Jones was talking to us over the summer about how work is a blessing from God. And yet, because of sin in the world, it has sometimes become a joyless labor. And yet it is still work, whether we are praying OAPs, whether we are homemakers, whether we are working in a paying job, whether we are grandpas passing on our wisdom to grandkids, volunteers, folks studying. It is all work and it is all meant as a blessing. And we are meant to carry those burdens with the strength of Jesus, with his help. That is where we will find true rest. Because that work, that work is measured and we can carry it in a sensible way and we have opportunities to rest from that. So come to Jesus. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, hear the words that he said to you that are as relevant then as they are now. Come to Jesus. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest don't be like those villages in galilee that hear the word they 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 even had the opportunity to see him perform miracles and yet they did not come to him come to jesus and be forgiven by the one who died for you be guided by the one who knows the father perfectly learn from him Yes, you will, be, you will have things to do in life, work, and, and maybe even burdens to carry, but you can carry those with his strength. Come to him and receive that strength. Come to him and have rest. And when the plowing's finished, both the oxen are rewarded together. So in some way we do not know, 
in some way that we cannot quite understand at this point, those who have taken his yoke upon him will be share in his glory. At the end of time, we will, in some way we cannot quite get, we will share in his glory. It says that in Romans chapter 8. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may share in his glory. Let's pray together.